Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zenkare.org. I'll just mention three points rather briefly before we sit together, and then I'll expand on them a little more after the sitting. In in Pali, there are three ways of directing our attention, right? And... You know, when much of our life is out of control, there's much of physical life that we don't have control over. Much of, uh, you know, aging and sickness and death. A situation like this shows us how little control we have over the big themes of our lives. Emotional life you know, comes and goes in response to circumstances. We don't choose an emotion to have. And our attention then we might notice is such a precious resource because your, your, your attention can be trained, directed. Often attention will go just following its habits and much of what Dharma practice is about, and certainly meditative practice, actually seeing and then engaging the fact that we can direct our attention purposefully, skillfully. So in Pali, the three types of attention I want to talk about, vitaka, vichara, viveka. Vitaka is the kind of pointing attention, like with the pointing of the finger. So when you notice attention's gone off in some or other way, it's that, oh, just releasing the habitual thought stream and re-establishing basic presence, embodied presence, grounded presence, open presence. And pointing the attention back, whether you're just using the basic feel of sitting as a reference point or the movement of breathing as a reference point. You're just pointing your attention back to immediacy and to presence. And sometimes, you know, that's just that is enough. Just that, just to keep releasing the habitual movement towards whatever, reverie or anxiety or all kinds of inner drama. And just coming back to immediacy, presence. Then vichara, if vitaka, first type of attention, pointing attention, vichara is like handling attention. And the image is the palm of the hand, right? The way something's in your hand, you get to feel it out, explore it. Vichara is exploratory attention. And the way in meditation, for example, when we find ourselves caught in some wave of... um, whatever, restlessness, impatience, confusion, doubt, whatever might assail the mind in some moment, the willingness, rather than just going off into the story and the scenario, the willingness to explore, to enter more fully into experience, to find out about what's happening by really feeling into it, rather than just telling ourselves our usual list of ideas and interpretations. So handling attention, vichara. 
And then viveka then is more analogous to both hands and to the arms, that sort of embracing attention. The capacity to actually hold experience loosely and lightly and lovingly. Right? A wide embrace where this experience, whatever it is, whatever the stuff of heart and mind is in this moment, it's not the whole of reality. It's just this heart and mind doing its thing. And meanwhile, oh, there's an entire universe actually bearing witness to our experience. Viveka is that quality of knowing a, a spacious embrace. But there's way more to rely upon right now than just you know, the, 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 the stuff of the personal. And that might be a, an important refuge in times where we might find ourselves caught in familiar loops of the personal. On the one hand, these three qualities of attention have infinite depth. They're ways of, of infinitely engaging, or very fully engaging with the, all the dimensions of life. Right? That quality of vitaka, to really enter into being present in experience, that's an infinite trajectory. One doesn't get to the end of what it is to be present. We start off with the kind of idea of where I am and who I am, and, and yet we first transition from the sort of imagined or abstracted sense of oneself to the lived field of experience. Enter into a body that isn't a thing, but that is a fluid process, a dance of sensation and vibration. And as we stay and continue entering in and entering in, we might well find that, oh, that which I call me, this field of experience, actually you know, has, is edgeless, an edgeless field of experience. And we touch that sense, maybe, that what I call my body really is the whole of life, of the body of life. There's nowhere where there's no hard edge. I can't really discern where what I call the world ends and where my experience of it begins. I can't find a place where the sound ends and my hearing begins. What I call self and world fundamentally interpenetrate, embrace each other, dissolve into each other. And if that first quality, then Vitaka is a kind of, is an infinitely deep way of, of engaging with bodily life. Then the second quality I think of as an infinitely, an infinite way of engaging with the heart, right? Vichara, that sensing into, really tending to experience. And the way as we tend to our sorrow or doubt or impatience or confusion or whatever it is that kind of troubles the heart in different ways, the more we do that, the more we learn, oh, there's nothing that can't be tended to. Experience can be heartbreaking in various ways. And maybe being in New York right now, maybe in being either in very direct, close proximity yourself to people who are sick or are dying or have died, maybe being in proximity yourself to working with people directly, maybe 
some of you who are healthcare workers or are no health providers. Maybe in being in close proximity just to your own anxiety about the situation, maybe the financial constraints or the difficulties of your living situation or all kinds of other things that may have come online because of this current situation. And the capacity, though we can't fix the situation, right? Necessarily the capacity to tend to the heart's disquiet to tend to the fear or anxiety or, and in such a way that we start to taste, oh, the heart's capacity to tend to experience is infinite. And then, the, So that even though experience may be heartbreaking at times, it's actually what oh, the heart breaks open in that way. And then vichara, which I mentioned at the end of the sit, that kind of embracing attention is really points us to a kind of an infinite quality of mind itself, right? That there is infinite space for experience, whatever it is, to to stream through awareness. And for that which we take to be so personal, that which we, we get so involved in the detail and drama of actually can be just kind of held lightly, loosely, lovingly, spaciously and graciously. So on the one hand, right, these three qualities, one another doesn't arrive at the end of them. They, they, they keep pointing us to a kind of a, an ever deepening, ever revealing, ever opening, ever liberating uh, quality of this human capacity to be in touch with the life we're living in, in freer ways, more fluid ways, more loving ways, more responsive ways. So we can make room for that dimension. And it may be that that dimension is very alive and is the stuff of your practice for some of you. And yet those three things can also have a much more, a more kind of prosaic or practical or immediate or accessible kind of, um, uh, of use. Right? So for example, and again, in this situation that you find yourself possibly living in a space that feels small to you when you can't leave it very often mm-hmm. in an apartment. I don't know quite what the situation is about being allowed to be in parks in, in Manhattan at the moment or how much access you have or don't have to, to the outdoor space in general or the open space of parks. But in four small walls, if that's your situation, can reinforce the sort of familiar thought loops that we go on. And, you know, in a very immediate, accessible way, every time we notice, oh, I'm caught in a thought loop, right? Even though for the last minutes or hours or days, I've been believing in that as, you know, identifying with the story, getting very exercised by the what's happening and why is it like that and when's it going to change and all the other stuff you might find yourself doing. The moment of noticing that, that, oh, I've been lost in the content, but that I can actually just come back to the process of there's thinking, there's a thought loop, and here's immediate embodied presence. That's very ordinary and very accessible and yet liberating. 
sometimes we get the tendency i think can be to see that as some kind of failure of our practice oh i i've been so lost but that's not the fa- getting lost in your mind isn't the failure of your practice it is your practice right the moment of waking up to oh that's what's been happening often we don't make good use of that moment because we get busy oh why was i caught and how long was i caught and where exactly was i caught and that's just being more that's more being caught right and there's actually a, a, a cause for a certain kind of gladness in that moment, because however much we might get caught in our thought loops, the basic immediacy of life is way more powerful than my little thought loops. And so life wakes us up. Amazingly, I was so caught up. And then life's immediacy reasserts itself. And just to make good use of that moment, rather than immediately sort of corrupting it with concern about why and where and how long I was caught up, to see if we can wake up in the gladness that life's immediacy has reasserted itself. Where it's like, oh, I'm invited again to sense where I am, to sense the basic support of life that's here right now, supporting, you know, a breathing body, a moving blood, an alive consciousness. Just that sort of in basic contactfulness, contactfulness, contactfulness. Very ordinary. On the one hand, infinite depth and dimensionality, and simultaneously very accessible and ordinary. And that's actually where we find the depth, right? Within the ordinary, within what's happening right here rather than going somewhere to look for the depth, wherever we think it might be. And similarly with the, that quality of vichara, like the invitation just to, to feel a little more into experience, to tend to experience. And the support that is, you know, when we find ourselves um, with, you know, a troubled heart in some way, and it may be uh, that it may be grief, or it may be, um, you know, being troubled by the uncertainty. And that part of our mind, rather than just that being able to live into the situation as it is, wants answers and, um, you know, just kind of won't let us be still. There's a lot of talk in Dharma practice about stillness and peace and a kind of, you know, a sort of, uh, kind of perfect alignment with life. And there's something beautiful about invoking that possibility. And it often contrasts very much with the kind of the lack of peace that one might feel. And again, how easily we can sort of judge that lack of peace as something that shouldn't be happening. But the invitation, you know, and but I don't know why, right? Maybe it's the circumstance right now, but just recently this particular word of tending to has become very alive for me somehow tending to the heart's disquiet tending to experience you know the, what i was calling vichara this handling quality feeling into getting to know the texture like actually familiarizing familiarizing yourself right, with the stuff of inner life the stuff of human life right we take it very personally, my fear, my grief, my worry, my concern. But the fact that I can say fear, and we all know what I mean, right? It's because it's, it's human stuff. 
and ah, this human stuff can be tended to. Sometimes that's a real balm if you're, you know, in your four walls and you're missing the resource of social contact or sangha contact. And of course, there's lots we might do in terms of reaching out for the, the resource of contact in various ways. Just being here together like this is one form of that. And yet within that, just seeing how your capacity to feel into and tend to experience can be a really primary resource. Accessible, right? And that then starts to maybe, maybe give a taste of what I earlier called that infinite capacity of heart. And since that, you know, nothing need be excluded. Nothing's unworkable actually in life and death. And why our confidence, it's an easy truth to spit out of the mouth, right? Nothing's unworkable in life and death. But the more we tend to our experience and find the capacity just to tolerate this moment, care for this moment, tend to this heart, the way our actual confidence in that can grow and grow and be the, the, the ground we're living in, ground we're living on. And then the third quality, right? And again, on the one hand, the sense of awareness is limitless, vast. Right? Every moment's experience is the truth, right? That awareness is limitlessly vast because look, whatever is happening now, whatever you're seeing, whatever you're hearing, whatever you're imagining, whatever you're feeling, it's appearing within awareness. By its nature, awareness is bigger than everything that appears in it. And so there's that room for a kind of the, oh, allowing ourselves to kind of what relax into or surrender into or melt into of the vastness where we don't need to hold ourselves together, don't need to be a coherent human being <laughs> even in some way, because that coherence is pretty much already established. We're afraid sometimes if we let go of the familiar self-reinforcement that we'll sort of melt into some primordial soup. Right? You don't lose the capacity to show up as if we're a coherent human being. But we can put down the, the dependence on doing that. The capacity to rest into something vast, open, free, limitless endlessly generative and yet also constantly at peace and at the same time we can meet that in a very ordinary accessible way you know i think sometimes visually that's helpful you know again if you're in your four small walls i'm sorry i'm imagining that all new yorkers live in these four tiny small walls some of you have probably got very nice big spacious apartments but it's just what happens to me when I come to New York. I end up staying in four small walls. But again, right, when, we, when the stuff of experience feels tight or narrow or claustrophobic in some ways, it, just a visual reminder. You, you might look out your window. Sometimes you have to look up rather steeply in Manhattan to see the open sky. But you know that classic image, right, in the tradition of the sky-like nature of mind across which or 
through which blows the weather of inner um, you know, material. And just as the same way that eyes go to detail and sound goes to detail and mind's attention goes to thought detail. Just visually, as you move around within the familiarity of your apartment, even the way we can just shift the focus from the thing I'm focused or fixated upon to the space around the thing. And that opening up just it kind of softens the fixation and gives a sense of spaciousness. And we can listen to the detail of the sound, pleasant sound that we might be enjoying, or you know, the well, normally I'd point to Manhattan traffic as maybe an unpleasant sound, but maybe you can't hear much Manhattan traffic these days. But the way we can actually just consciously shift to the sense of the kind of vast sound, open soundscape in which individual sounds might come and go. And then similarly, right, from my fixations, my thoughts, my wishes, my concerns, my needs, my family, my, my, my. And just in that same movement, in, um, in, from, from the detail of, of a mind loop to the fact that this space, like how come you can even recognize a thought? Because there, there's space around it. And we can't conceive of that space because the conceiving of it, that's another thought, right? But, and yet the very fact that you can notice anything at all because there's space around what's happening. And maybe that's an important support, a helpful support these days to just keep making that gentle movement from the fixation to the fact that there's noticing, the fact that there's seeing, the fact that there's hearing, the fact that there's feeling, the fact that there's conceiving, the fact that there's imagining, the fact that there's speaking. Where's all that happening? In an inconceivable space, and yet a completely available space that holds and underpins and embraces and makes possible all of this. So I offer these three small reflections for their very ordinary practical value day to day and for the infinite possibility that they have in the liberation of our practice.